Psalms chapter 131, uh, 133 and verse 1. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Somebody say unity. John chapter 19 and verse 25, if you would now go there. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's uh, sister Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own house. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and there filled a sponge with vinegar, and put it upon hyssop, and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Whew, I feel the Holy Ghost. With the help of his spirit tonight, I would like to minister to you on this topic, the bond of brotherhood, the bond of brotherhood. I do not feel just a word, but rather I feel that God is wanting to impart something here tonight. And uh, if you will be open, if including myself, if we will all be open, God is going to do something very special in our midst. I believe he's just going to break open our, our, our preconceived notions and ideas and all of our ideologies. God, right now, would you put your Bibles down? Would you lift up your hands? God, right now, God, we invite your spirit one more time into this place by the authority of the word of God, by the power that is in the name of Jesus. God, we rebuke every distraction. God, right now, I pray that you would blow the roof off this place. God, let us not have any reserve. Let us be radically apostolic. Let your spirit do what it will in this service. And we will give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. And if you mean that, why don't you clap your hands? Why don't you lift your voice? Why don't you do a dance? Why don't you thank him for he is a good God? Oh, that feels good. Somebody shout hallelujah. Oh, say it again. Shout hallelujah. Shout thank you, Jesus. Oh, if you're thankful to be in the house of the Lord on a Sunday night, why don't you just get a little apostolic for the next couple of moments? Hallelujah. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. As Jesus hangs from a cross, bloodied, beaten, bruised, and betrayed, we find that seemingly eternity itself hangs there in hesitation on that day. Because as the Creator surveyed the crowd through swollen eyes, there in a sea of vile faces was the familiar glance of a friend, not just a friend, a man whom he loved, John. As he breathes his last few breaths as the man Christ Jesus, 
and begins to close the book on a dispensation. He lifts his voice to say something. I am sure that caught many on that day by surprise, including John himself. It seemed out of order. It seemed unnecessary. It seemed like something that did not need to be added to such a precious moment. But God, manifest in the flesh, would lift himself up on the nails of that cross that his lungs may come above the blood that was filling his chest cavity just long enough to catch his breath to utter these words. Woman, behold thy son. Disciple. Behold thy mother, the same voice that spoke the heavens and the earth into existence, has one last proclamation, that John would be elevated to the office in the position of a brother. I said John would be elevated to become Jesus' brother. This is how important brotherhood is to God. Out of all the things he could have said, out of all the business he could have taken care of, he uses the weight and the magnitude of this moment to make this illustration that there is an importance behind brotherhood. That there is a bond that you can be a part of called brotherhood. There is a relationship that is necessary called brotherhood but why John I'm sure John I know John was not perfect I'm sure that there were some things that Jesus and him did not agree totally on I'm sure there were quarrels I'm sure there were differences in of, of opinion I'm sure there were people far more qualified there were people that everybody else would have said this should be the man however God chose John God chose John why because John was there. John was there. Sister Myers, he was there. This was an office that he had filled far too many times. Time and time again, John was there when they spit on him. John was there when they cursed at him. John was there in the highs and in the lows. On the Mount of Transfiguration, John was there. No matter what it took, no matter the sacrifice, no matter what he had to give, John knew one thing. Wherever Jesus is, I will be. I will be with my Savior. I believe that God chose John. Why? Because he was willing to be present in his persecution. While others they they turned and they hid their faces. While others ran for caves. While others denied him. John said, I will be there. I will share in his suffering. I will be present in his persecution. No matter what, come good, come bad. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Oh, anybody thankful? Oh, for the love of God. He was willing to share in his suffering. Why is this important? 
why are you pulling out such a weird and obscure moment? Really? Why this? Because God's very next move, very next move of Jesus hanging on the cross, is he calls for a cup. They put it to his lips. He begins to drink. I cannot imagine the sensation, the thoughts that came over John as he thought to back to some three years earlier when a contract was made between him and the Almighty when God would look at him and say, Can you drink from the cup which I drink from? It was God reminding him of the contract that he had made all that time, a long time, not so long time ago. It was a reminder. John, you agreed to be present. You said you would walk like I walk. You said you would talk like I talk. You would go through the things that I would go through. You would drink from the cup. Whether it be persecution or whether it be promise, you're going to drink from the cup. I I know there are a lot of different Bible scholars that are are far more educated than I. I'm sure Bishop or Pastor Myers can preach a far better sermon on this topic than me. And if they say the cup is something different, absolutely it's something different. I'm not here to imply that the cup was one specific cup in one specific place. But rather, the cup represented something much more. It represented a lot in life. It was a physical demonstration of a spiritual offering. That there will be sacrifice. There will be dedication. If you want what I have, you have to give what I gave. This is why at the end of Jesus' earthly life, he he now knew he could make John his brother. Matthew 16 and 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. What was he doing on that day? It was an invitation to a bond of brotherhood it was an open door to opportunity it was saying if you want what I have you've got to give what I have given it's available it's available it's available but you're going to have to work (laughs) hear me God impressed upon me that the true definition of brotherhood has nothing to do with blood. That's why two veterans can look at each other and just because of what their hat says, all of a sudden they'll begin to cry. Why? They've been through some things together. They've seen some things together and they know that there is a brotherhood there that can only be forged by sacrifice. 
That's why the true definition of brotherhood is to share in each other's sacrifice, to walk a mile in each other's shoes, to know that that person is willing to go just as far as I'm willing to go. They're willing to sacrifice like I'm willing to sacrifice. They're willing to live holy like I'm willing to live holy. They're willing to pray like I'm willing to pray. That is what makes us family, ladies and gentlemen. It is a bond of brotherhood, knowing that there's someone else that's willing to share in my sacrifice, knowing that there's someone else that's willing to play on the same level. There's someone else that's willing to give their all. Mark chapter 3 and 35, for whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother and my sister and mother. <laughs> Philippians 3.16 Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained Let us walk by the same rule Let us mind the same thing Let us be brothers Let us be Sisters, I've come tonight to beg somebody to get on board. I've come tonight to plead with a mom, with a dad, with a grandma, with a grandpa, with a young person. It is time to get in the bond of brotherhood. You've played games long enough. I've really not come tonight to be cute or to be pretty. I've come to share a word from the Lord that at the time for pretty pansy Pentecostalism is over. It's time to get on board. It's time to have revival. It's time to reap a harvest. It's time. We're going to do that. We've got to mind the same things. There are no shortcuts to brotherhood. There is no such thing as discount discipleship. I don't care what they told you. I don't care what Joel Steen told you. I don't care what that Instagram reel told you. You hear me in the Holy Ghost. And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be hateful. But there is a bond that we call Pentecost. There is a bond that connects us. That says they believe what I believe. They preach what I preach. They give what I give. They baptize like I baptize. They talk in tongues like I talk in tongues. They live like I live. It's a bond. It's a bond. We will never experience true apostolic revival without true apostolic unity. Accept what's true apostolic unity. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. You know what that word accord means? There's a twofold meaning to that. It means to be of one mind. But it doesn't stop there. It also means to be of one passion. 
Want to know how you get in unity? We all start playing on the same level. It's not that they're interested and they're disinterested. It's not that they're willing to come to the front and they're not. You know what it is? We all get the same passion. And that is I want to see revival above all else. I want to see souls saved. I want to see lives changed. I want to see people transformed. I know people have lied to you, but I'm here to come to debunk the myth. True unity is not found by simply getting along. Unity is not this happy, clappy stuff that they make it out to be. That's a Brother Kleinden's phrase, just so you know. Happy, clappy. I don't know all it means, but I think I get it. It's not... All sunshine and rainbows. It doesn't mean that you're never going to be offended. It doesn't mean that the preacher's never going to step on your toes. You know what unity is? It's getting of one passion. It's knowing that they're going to show up on a Tuesday and pray when I show up and pray. They're going to fast when I'm fasting. They're going to give when I'm giving. And if we'll all get on the same page, and if we'll all get on the same level... We can see revive. True unity is found when everyone is giving their all. It is not the will of God. Hear me. I know this may work in your multi-level marketing scheme, but this is not how the church works. It is not the will of God for 20% of the people to do 80% of the work. That may work in business, that may work in corporate America, but the design of the church has always been a hundred percent, taking a hundred percent of the gospel to a hundred percent of the world. And if we're gonna see revival in Palm Bay, it's gonna be because everybody gets on board, everybody gets involved. There is a holy army that is rising up that's going to see revival like we've never seen before. We're going to see revival beyond our wildest imagination. But it only happens when we achieve true unity. It only happens when everybody gets a hold of a reckless abandon to take this whole world. But give me Jesus, what does this world have to offer anyway? I don't want anything that they have. Well, I just want my kids to experience some things. What? Drugs? Alcohol? Waking up in a bed with God knows who? Oh, you really want them to be experienced? Oh, no. You know what I want the next generation to experience? You know what I want my generation to experience? I'm talking about million soul and billion soul revivals. I'm talking about the blind eyes open. I'm talking about the deaf ears being unstopped. I don't need what this world has to offer. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus.
Oh, somebody lift your hands. The Holy Ghost is here. Then you got to get involved. Turn to somebody and say, you got to get involved. There's no such thing as discount discipleship. There's no such thing as half-price anointing. You can't get a buy one, get one mantle. If you're going to give him, if he's going to give you his all, you've got to give him your all. The Bible states in 1 Peter 2, 9, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Notice if we are to be included in the priesthood, Pastor Myers, that implies that the priesthood was more than just a birthright. The priesthood was more than just a birthright. It was a burden. It was a brotherhood. It was an understanding, Sister Myers, that when I wake up to go chop down that wood, to put it on that altar, to kill that fatted calf, to sprinkle his blood throughout that tabernacle, there's going to be somebody else that's right beside me that says, we can do this thing. We're going to give it. We're going to do it exactly how the book says to do it. We're going to do it as unto the Lord. And I'm going to be right there with you. It was a brotherhood. It's the burden, hear me, that forges us together. That's why I can be from Bellevue and you can be from Palm Bay. But when I look at you, I can say with pride in my heart, how are you doing, Brother Tom? How are you doing, Brother John? How are you doing? Why? Because I know that they are my brother. They live what I live. They give. It's an anointing. Somebody say anointing. Anointing. The level of anointing you want requires something of you. The oil costs something. Does not come for free. There is a crushing process. There is a coming of age. There is some things in your life. If you want this, I know we got some young people here, but if you want what Brother Tenny or, or Brother Cole or Brother, or Brother Barnes had, if you want what Nota Freeman had, there's some crushing that's gonna have to happen before the oil comes out. There's some crushing that's gonna, ha- I'm telling you, it does not come for free, but it is available to you if you're willing to give, if you're willing to submit, if you're willing to sacrifice, you can come into a bond. Somebody shout, it's the oil. It's the oil that unites us. It's the oil. That's why you keep showing up time after time after time. Even though you may not sing quite on key, it's the oil that makes us different. Even though you may not be the world's best drum player. I'm not, I'm not hating on anybody. It was awesome. I didn't notice anything tonight, okay? It was unbelievable. 
I don't know. I feel like I'm picking on musicians. Even though you may not be the world's best door greeter, you know what keeps you coming back? You're addicted to the oil. It's that holy thing that comes. My God, let my generation know what it's like to be addicted to the oil. I can't stop preaching this. Even if I tried, why? I'm addicted to the oil. the oil that unites us that's why you'll always be closer to your church family than you will even your natural family i just i just kicked up against some things because we you're talking about my family brother luke i know but i'm talking about your family in here well brother luke blood is thicker than water maybe but the oil's thicker than them both. You hear me? That's why we come into this house. Well, I got a family gathering. No, you have a family gathering on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday that we don't miss. Why? Because this family matters more. It's the oil that connects us. It's the oil that connects us. I know you may be blood, but we're oil. And the oil is what brings the power. cost something. You're going to have to give up some things. You're going to have to lay some things down. You're going to have to change the way you dress sometimes. You're going to have to stop going to that place. You're going to have to change who you hang out with, maybe. Well, this church, I I don't know, this church is just too restricted. You better believe it's restrictive. We restrict you from the drugs, the alcohol, the depression, the sleepless nights. The, the eternal damnation in a burning hell. Yeah, it's a little restrictive. But you know what? There is life. And life more abundantly. You can have it. You can have it. I don't need any of it. I don't need anything they have. You know why? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Well, brother, I'm going to get down to the nitty-gritty here. Well, brother, that, that's, just, that's just a little too restrictive. Really? Want to know what the ticket into Jesus' church was? Go sell all that you have. Give it unto the poor. Then come back to me. You like that car you drive? Like that house you're living in? I would say Jesus' church was a little bit more restrictive. Lay down your life. Pick up a cross. Follow me. Many of you will suffer for my name's sake. Sounds a little restrictive. But you hear me? I'd rather one day in the church than a thousand years in the world. I don't want what they have to offer. You hear me? The wages of sin are still death. But if you will come unto him, all you are hurting and are heavy laden, he will give you joy. He will give you peace. He will give you refreshing. Come on, there's beauty for ashes. There's joy unspeakable and full of glory. Don't ever forget. Some of you don't ever need to forget where you came from. 
dare we try to change this for others? How selfish are we? You know why your life was changed? Because you came into this church and there was a preacher that loved you enough to look you in the eye and say, call a spade a spade and call sin sin and show you a way out. They were showing you a better way. Don't you dare put pressure on this preacher to change for some. Hear me. Compromise is not compassion. It is hate. You If you were able to walk in these doors and hear that there's only one way to be saved and that there's only one way to heaven and that's to repent and be baptized in Jesus' name and to be filled with the Holy Ghost, to live a holy life, you better believe the next person that comes in these doors with their scars and with their... They're going to hear the exact same message. And there's nothing you can do to change that. Well, we just need to be a little bit more seeker friendly. By not telling them how to get to heaven. That doesn't seem very friendly to me. By the way, I know exactly how to experience eternal life. But I'm not telling you. How selfish are we? If somebody loved you enough to say, honey, this is how you do it. This is how you live. This is how you dress. This is how, this is how your family is going to experience greater things than you better be willing to be man enough or woman enough for the next person that comes in. You better return the favor and say, let me show you how it's done. Let me show you how to worship. Let me show you how to praise. Let me show you how to live. I invite you in to a bond of brotherhood. Sounds pretty hard, Jesus. Maybe if we just be a little bit more secret friendly. Maybe if we just skirt around the issue. Skirt around the issue. You know what Jesus did? There was a rich young man that came up to him. We call him the rich young ruler. He lists off all of his amazing accomplishments. How he's lived this stuff. How, how he's so close. We would have congratulated him. Man, you're close. That's what I'm talking about. You can come be a part of my church. Thank God. And he's rich. Woohoo! Uh, you can act that way all you want to. I believe in rich people and the kingdom of God. Amen. God. I can imagine the treasurer came up to him and said, Hey dude, don't blow this one. I know there's some things that aren't quite right, but let's just save that for down the road. I know there's some things that we don't just quite, we, we, I know he doesn't live the way we live, but maybe if we just, if, if we just accept it, then we can get his money and he can be a part. 
And everybody's happy. But compromise is not compassion. And Jesus does not skirt around the issue. He loves him enough to look him in the eyes and say, This one thing thou lackest. Sell all that you have. Jesus, I know, I know it got real quiet on me. I'm going to get to the fun stuff and we're, we're going to shout here in a minute. But my goodness, I feel like I'm helping somebody. I feel like I'm breaking something open in this atmosphere. Jesus, you might want to skirt around that one. You're telling this guy how to live. That's legalism. That's love. Don't look at somebody that's dying of cancer and tell them how to work out. You show them how to be. You tell them what's going to save them. And you hear me. I believe that everything should be done decently and in order. I believe everything should be done and seasoned with compassion. But compassion cries out from within you to say, let me show you a better way. Pastor Myers, you mean you really preach that women don't cut their hair? You mean you really preach against jewelry and makeup? You really preach against uh, that, that a man should be a man? and a, uh, you, you really say that a man should be a man and a, and a woman should be a woman? You really say that there are certain things we, we don't do? That's, that's legalism! No, sir, I've come to stand behind your pastor and declare to you that that is the greatest message of love that you have ever heard. And when you have a man of God that loves you enough to stand up here with a backbone and declare what thus saith the Lord, you ought to stand to your feet. You ought to run the aisles. Why? Because you know he loves me. He loves me. He loves me. He loves you enough to bring you in a bond, a brotherhood. What is he doing by all of that? He's inviting you. Where did you get that from? Jesus. Why do we try to be holy? Be ye holy, for I am holy. What was he doing? He was inviting them to be his brother. He was showing them what to do. Young preacher, hear me. If we don't say it, nobody will say it. You better preach it in love. You better preach it in love. But at the end of the day, you better preach it. At the end of the day, you better say it. At the end of the day, it's your responsibility. When you look at Peter, when you look at John, when you look at John the Baptist and the Apostle Paul on Judgment Day, they're going to want to know, did you tell them? 
I experienced shipwrecks. I experienced scars. I, I was crucified upside down. I was beaten and despised. So you could tell them. I, I went through persecution. I'm telling you, there's going to be verbal being up there. And he's going to look at you and say, did you show them how to pray? Like I showed them how to pray. Did you tell them how to live? Like I told them how to live. Did you love them like we loved Are we going to have to say, I got scared? I just wanted to keep the unity. That's not unity. That's hate. That's compromise. For two are better than one. For if they fall. We use this scripture until it's blue in the face. I love it. It's an incredible scripture. It's a godly scripture. It's inspired by God. It's in the book. But we misquote this. We, we, we put this in the wrong light all the time. Why are you hanging out? I'm not, please hear me. I'm not talking about just trying to w- reach the lost. You reach the prostitute. You reach the beggar. You reach whoever you need to reach, okay? Someone I'm talking about. Why, why were you hanging out with that person in the youth group that you knew you weren't supposed to hang out with? For unity. You lost your mind. Two are better than one, Brother Luke. What are you talking about? Read the rest of the verse. For if they fall, the other will be there to lift him up. You don't need somebody that's going to fall with you. Stop attaching yourself to people that are willing to fall with you and start finding some people that love you enough to get a footing and to say... There's a better way. There's a way of salvation. There's a way to be saved. There's a way that we worship. There's a way that we speak with other tongues. Get in unity. I got to hurry. I got to hurry. You know, we find you're going to drive. You are going to drive yourself miserable. If all you do is hang around deadheads. Don't drive yourself miserable. I please, I'm preaching. I, I believe in love. I believe in kindness. But if if you're connecting yourself to people that are speaking against this man of God, if you're connecting yourself to people that that are speaking against this faith, even if it's via Facebook or Instagram, well, I I, I just like what they post. But they're posting false doctrine. You have no business like. Well, hear me. You will drive yourself miserable. One of the chief forms of torture in the old world and in the dark ages, you know what they did? When somebody would commit a wrong, they would, Brother Ethan, come up here. Hurry, run, run, run. Use those long legs. Come on, man. You know what they would do? Somebody would commit something or do something wrong. They would take a dead body. Sorry, you're dead, man. You don't have to get on the ground, but you're dead. They would take a dead body. They would strap it to that convict. And everywhere he went, he had to walk around with the stench of death on him as a reminder of the things that he had done. He had to carry the dead weight. And if you're not careful, you will think that living for God is really hard because you're walking around with nothing but 
weight strapped to you. You hear me in the Holy Ghost. You ought to get some righteous indignation up inside of you. And you ought to say, unto the living, there is hope. I'm not dead. I'm very much alive. I'm not dead. I'm alive. I'm a part of the brotherhood. Somebody stand to your feet and worship God right now. Oh, something's trying to sweep through this house. You want to shake off that death. You want to shake off that carnality. You want to... Some deep's trying to move in here right now. You may be seated real quick. I want to share one more story. World War II, we find they came up with these things called challenge phrases. Challenge phrases were very simple. It was a phrase that the allies would know that the enemy did not know. It was a certain sound that the enemy did not know to distinguish the brothers from the foes. This is a biblical concept. The Bible we find where there's two armies. He says to tell them, Shibbeth, And if they can say the word, Shibbeth, then they're your brother. World War II, we find that the main challenge phrase was thunder. In the heat of battle, they would yell, Thunder! And if the person would respond, Flash! Or sorry, vice versa, Flash! And if they would respond, Thunder! They were to not shoot. Sounds crazy, right? Till you realize that there is no such thing as the TH sound in the German language. In other words, the enemy could not replicate their sound. There was a sound that only the brotherhood could make that nobody else could make. Remind you of anything? When they were astonished that the Holy Ghost fell on the Gentiles. You know why they knew the Holy Ghost fell? Why? Because they heard them speak with other tongues and magnify God. Anyone who is not or cannot magnify God with you is not your brother. the piano if you're going to be my brother you got to learn to speak like my brother you got to learn to magnify God with me 
I'm done. You know what I find interesting? Peter goes out and denies God. Denies him. I don't know the guy. I don't know Jesus. Well, you, you look like, you look familiar. You're dressing like you're supposed to. And she says something very peculiar. Your speech betrayeth thee. He talked like a brother. He talked like a Christian. He talked like a born-again apostolic believer. And you know what he did to try to blend in with the world? He cursed. You want to know how you blend in with this world? You just start cursing things. Know what an apostolic does? They bless things. Everywhere the disciples went, they blessed things. Everywhere they went, they said, We're going to have revival. Everywhere they went, they said, We're going to reach this whole city. Everywhere they went, they said, We're going to see the blind eyes open. Everywhere they went, they said, We're going to see the dead raised. Everywhere they went, they said, The mute are going to speak. You can be like this world if you want to, and you can curse everything and die. But if you want to be like the church, if you want to live life, and life more abundantly you gotta learn to start speaking life into some things you've got to stand to your feet and you've got to speak a word of faith you got to speak a word of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. You want to know how you start operating in the gift of faith? You just start hoping again. You know what you do? You just say, man, I hope I'm going to see a billion soul revival. And then all of a sudden it becomes faith and you start saying... I'm going to see a billion soul revival. I'm going to see the blind eyes open. I'm going to see the deaf ears unstopped. I'm going to see something that this world has never seen before. But it all starts with hope. These altars are open. I want us to come to the front. We're about to worship together. We're about to worship together. We're about to push together. We're about to break through together. I don't want you to come here and hang your head low. I want you to get ready. Worship team, if you step onto this platform, you're stepping on full of the gift of faith. There should be no doubt. There should be no doubt. There should be... That's it. Oh, there's a roar that's trying to loose itself. There's a roar that's trying to break through this atmosphere. Somebody ought to lift your voice. Lift your voice.
This is what we're going to do. Hear me. We're going to start hoping for some things. You know, Miriam would have never had time to curse the preacher and get leprosy if she would have kept her tambourine in her hand. Because you can't hear doubt while you're worshiping can't hear doubt while you've got a tambourine in your hand. And so what we're about to do is we are about to offer up a sacrifice of praise. What do you mean, Brother Luke? Worship team, I'm talking to all of us. We're going to praise until it hurts. We're going to praise until it hurts our ego. Where do you get that? David said, I shall be more fine than thus so this is what we're going to do I want you to lean to the person next to you only if it's appropriate and I want you to tell them I don't want you to tell them a small need I want you to tell them the biggest most impossible need that you know I want you to tell them the deepest desire of your heart what do you hope to see what do you hope to experience go ahead go ahead that's it tell them what you want Go ahead, this is beautiful. This is beautiful. If you need a healing, tell them you want a healing. If you want the Holy Ghost, tell them I want the Holy Ghost. Woo! You feel faith trying to rise up in this place? This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to speak the word of faith. And when I speak the word of faith, I'm going to shout hallelujah. After I shout hallelujah, I want you to shout it at the top of your lungs. And then I want you to go absolutely nuts. I want you to praise until you're embarrassed of yourself. I want you to lose all awareness of your surroundings. And if you do that, God inhabits the praises of his people. The more radical you get, the more radical he becomes. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? If you're ready, shout yes. If you're ready, shout yes. By the authority of the word of God and by the power that is in the name of Jesus, I command all fear to flee. I command all sickness to bow. And I loose the Holy Ghost to outpour over this place. In the name of Jesus, shout hallelujah. looking at me for your miracle is here your miracle is here your breakthrough is here your refreshing is here that's it that's it that's it there's faith that's breaking forth there's faith this is what we come to do Break outside of yourself. Come on, get a hold of my brother and worship with them. This is what we come to do. Tear down strongholds, break the 
Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Now look, I'm about to get out of this microphone. I've been up here for way too long. I apologize. But God's not done. There's about to be another wave. If Peter walking on the water taught us one thing, it's that God is willing to meet us in radical places. What do you mean, Brother Luke? The more radical you become, the more radical he becomes. That's why I do not understand part of my language, deadhead. If you knew how attracted God was to your praise, how would you praise him? If you knew that the only thing standing between you and your family being saved was you getting a little wild every now and then. This is what we're about to do. Some of you are in jail cells. You know what my God does to jail cells? He shakes them. Every now and then, we need a shaking. Now, I'm not telling you, if they're an elder, use wisdom. I don't want you to shake anybody until, I, okay, I don't want you to be out of order. But there's some young people and there's some moms and dads that can use a shaking every now and then. How do you know that, Brother Luke? Because I was a punk teenager. And I know a woman by the name of Naomi Varnum that would come over to me and put her hand on my head. Well, did she pray some magic prayer? Really? No. You know what she did, Brother Myers? She grabbed my head and she just shook me till I had no choice but to speak with other tongues. But you know what happened? I got over my ego and I decided I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it sounds like I want the prisons to shake I want the miracles to break loose if you want a miracle you want to be wild in the Holy Ghost go 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 that's it shake yourself shake yourself shake yourself till you get a breakthrough We're breaking it through before winds ever starts. We're breaking it through before winds ever start. Jesus. 